morning. This morning we'll be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you'd like to open your Bibles, it's on page 1090. And I'm reading starting in verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That ends the reading. Please be seated. Good morning, I am Pastor Dave, and it's my privilege to uh, start us off on this journey we're calling Summer Trip. And uh, for the month of June, we're going to be walking through kind of the idea of what it means to take a summer road trip, to take a journey. Maybe it's a day trip, maybe it's a weekend um, trip. How many of you can remember taking a trip in a vehicle kind of like that before? A rear-facing, one of those, one of those. you know, they were super safe, right? I don't even think they made seatbelts for those things. Um, I don't remember the year or what it was, but at some point I have a memory as a child of going on a road trip. It was my family and this other family, the Fields family, and we had, we had five in our family, and they had six in theirs, and somehow we all fit in one vehicle. The math doesn't add up. I know, I get it. But, uh, you know, there was, there was some sketchy uh, uh, seatbelt rules back then. I think we actually took out all the seats in the back. I think there was just the two chairs up front and one row of seats. And then all we had was just like sleeping bags laid out in the back. And we, we went from here to Gatlinburg, right? This is a true story. My parents are nodding. It's a true story. And we made it all the way there and everyone lived and it was a great trip, but... But we're talking about the things that you have to do to prepare for a journey. Because whether it's a summer trip, there's certain things you got to do. But also, we're all on this journey or this trip of life, right? And preparing for this journey of life is similar to preparing for a summer trip. So we're going to look at that and talk about all the things that we have to do. And what we're going to talk about today is food and fuel, right? As you prepare for a trip... One of the first things you usually do is you got to fuel up for the trip. You got to pack your food. You got to be ready. You got to sustain your own body and you got to keep the car going, right? And so this morning, what we're really going to be looking at is this the Word of God, Scripture, and how the Bible prepares us and helps us and equips us and gets us ready for this journey. So, I've got a question for you. Has anyone ever run out of gas before? Right? It's an awful experience. I remember I was, um, we were living in Atlanta at the time, and I was um, going to take my son Bear to a baseball game. Right? And that's like, that's as American as it gets. Right? A father taking a son to a baseball game. You're going to go there. You're going to buy him a hot dog. You're going to buy him some Cracker Jacks. You're going to buy him a beer. Well, maybe not the beer. But, you know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna head out to this trip, and that's, that's as American as it gets. And I was all excited. We were going to go there. Well, we were going to watch batting practice because that's fun. And, and, 
there's kind of some tricky things with Atlanta traffic. If you've driven through Atlanta, you know, right? You could be going five miles, and it could take you five minutes, or it could take you like two hours. It just depends. So we left super early because we were going to be ready for this. And we're driving through, and I get like into the city. I lived about, without traffic, about 40 minutes north of the city. And we get into the city, and I notice my fuel gauge is perilously low. But I think, you know, I don't really want to stop because if you're familiar with Atlanta and off, you, you get off the interstate in Atlanta and you, you, they, like, don't let you back on. I don't know how it works. But there's no way to get back on. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to get off and get gas. I'll be able to make it, and then I'll get gas first thing as I'm leaving. Well, I get two exits away and that terrible noise, right? The, like, sputtering. And then you know, oh my goodness, I'm out of gas. And so I actually coast, I coast, and I get to the off-ramp, and I make it to the bottom of the off-ramp, and then done. It's dead. It's, there's not a stitch of gas left. It's empty. Try to restart it, nothing. So usually, usually they build stadiums in like the nicest neighborhoods, right? No, they really don't. So I'm not in the best area, and I don't know exactly where there's a gas station, this is like shortly before Siri could tell you everything in the world. You know, this doesn't exist yet. And so I have to ask, and, I'm, and I ask someone, and they're like, hey, there's a gas station maybe three quarters of a mile if you just walk down this road and take a right. And I look down this road to the right. It doesn't look that safe, but it's my best option. So I grab Bear, and I'm like, hey, we're, hey buddy, we're going to go for a little journey. And so we start walking down, and we get there, and I get to a gas station that apparently is like the only gas station in America that doesn't sell gas cans. So there's no, there's no gas can. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I look, and in the trash can, there's a Gatorade bottle. And I'm like, this is going to have to work. So I make sure all the Gatorade's out, because I don't know what Gatorade does to an engine, but it can't be good. I don't think the electrolytes help like they do our bodies. And so I fill this thing up with gas, and I'm like, this is the best I'm going to do. And I get back to the car. We, we take our, our walk back to the car. And I'm worried about time. I'm like, I don't want to miss this game. And so we get there. And then, I, then I've got to figure out how to get gas out of a Gatorade bottle and into a tank of gas without a funnel, right? And so that kind of gets tricky. And there's some, you know, and I get a good solid 80% of the gas into the tank. I'm like, okay, this is good enough. I'll be able to get back to the gas station Fill it up enough that I can get to the game and then we can hurry and be on our way. So there was only one problem with that idea. I had left my keys back at the gas station. So I'm like, all right, Bear, we're going to go for another trip back into the heart of Atlanta. All right. And so we go and we go back and I get the keys and, and you know, everything ends up working out. I get the keys and we get back to the car and we get... It started, and we get back and fill it up with gas, and we make it to the game. The beautiful thing about baseball is that the games are really long. So we make it by, like, the third inning, and everything's good, and we got to get, get our America experience. But when it comes to taking trips, right, it's important that we're fueled up. It's important that on this journey that is life that we have what we need for it. And so as Paul writes this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. And Timothy was one of his protégés. It was, it was someone that he invested time into. And as Paul went into all these cities and he started churches, Timothy is one of the people that he left 
to keep up his work. And so as he writes this, he's reminding him that on this journey or trip that's called life, how important it is to be fueled up. How important it is to hold fast to the word of God. And so I want to dig into these verses and talk about that this morning. As we start, number first thing is that scripture fuels us for our trip and it helps us to continue on our trip. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of. What Paul is telling Timothy here is he's saying, listen, when it comes to this journey, you have got to hold fast to this book. This is what you learned, this is what you taught, this is what's going to get you through, what's going to keep you going on this journey. I remember one of my very first experiences in ministry. I was 19 years old and I was going on a, a missions trip and I was helping lead this trip for the very first time and, and we went to Jamaica. And I remember we get there and they were like, hey, there's going to be all kinds of people when you get here. They kind of greet the tourists as they come off the plane and they're like, stay away from the kids. And I'm like, why are we staying away from the kids? They're cute and they're wandering around. They're like, the kids are pickpockets. So stay away from them. So we stayed away from the kids. And, and as we were waiting for all the luggage to get cleared, I, I, I saw this one guy and he was standing there and it looked like he was preaching or something. And I kind of went over and I started talking to him and actually turned out he was a Jehovah's Witness. And so as a 19-year-old who knew everything there was to know, right, as 19-year-olds do, we have any 19-year-olds here? No? Almost, Tessa? We're getting there. We're getting close, right? Soon you'll know everything. All right, and so I was confident I was going to go talk to this guy, and with my vast knowledge of Scripture, I was going to convince him that I was right and he was wrong. And so I went there, and I go talk to this guy, and he's saying these things, and, and what I soon found out was that even though he was a Jehovah's Witness, he knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And it was humbling for me. And it made me convinced of this scripture more and more that, that I had to know this book better. That this book is, is life, and especially if this was going to be what I wanted to teach people with my life, that I had to learn to know this book better. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. He's like, listen, continue in what you've learned, but you've got to keep going. You've got to know that Bible. You've got to study it. You've got to learn it. This has to be your very life. And so as we go on this trip together, as we go on this journey of life, this book, we've got to know. The second thing that Paul tells Timothy is he says that scripture feeds us and it helps us to grow on our trip. The very next verse he says, from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, here's the interesting thing in the Jewish culture, something that's fascinating and, and it's really cool, is that in the Jewish culture, from the time kids are very, very young, they really do a great job of teaching them the Scripture. In fact, so much so that if you know people that are of the Orthodox Jewish religion, if they are, if they are what's called, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on it, but if they're, if they're ultra-Orthodox, excuse me, they don't even learn anything else. They don't learn math. They don't learn um, science. They only learn the Torah. 
That's all that they're taught. That is all they learn in their life. It's that important to them. And this would have been what Timothy was taught. This would have been the only thing that he learned from the time he was young. In fact, what they'll do is they'll identify young boys for the priesthood by the age of like five or six. And they'll even set them apart for even more special learning. And Timothy was one such of these young men. So he would have been taught the scriptures from such an early age. And Paul is saying, listen, from the time you were a baby, you had this. And this book is what's going to make you grow. And this book is what's going to make you learn and help you on the way. Charles Spurgeon is is one of the... um, Some people would say the greatest preacher of all time. Very well known. He had this to say about the word of God. He says, you may speak but a single word of scripture to a child. And in that child, there may be a slumbering noble heart. Which shall stir the Christian church for years to come. And what he's saying is simply this, that we need to know this book because as we go through life, we can share the words of Scripture with everyone we meet, with people we come in contact with. And it could be that we share a single word or phrase of Scripture with a young child and in that child, who knows what might happen. Billy Graham had the same thought and he used to verbalize it in a different way, but Whenever he was asked, Billy Graham would say, hey, the one thing I would do over if I could is I wouldn't be an evangelist. I'd be a coach. And people used to say, why would you, why would you do that? And he said, well, as an evangelist, I had the privilege and opportunity to share the gospel with thousands and thousands of people. And I would speak to them and they would hear me one time. And often that was it. And God maybe used that in great ways, and that's, that's incredible. But he said, if I was a coach, I would have had the opportunity to invest in young men and women over and over and over again. And who knows, but that God would have taken several of those young men and women and made them evangelists that were far greater than I ever was. And regardless of whether you agree or disagree with Billy Graham's assessment, the point is, he knew how important this book was. And how important it was to know this book. So that as we have opportunities, whether it be our children or our grandchildren or our neighbor or our our barber or our dentist or whoever we bump into in life, that we have the opportunity to share the word of God with them. As we're going through this trip, this journey of life. The next thing that Paul says is this. He says that scripture is useful on our trip. All scripture, starting in verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What Paul is saying is that as we go on this this journey of life, as we know this book, as we know the truths in it, we can share them. There's a story about uh, two young girls. And their names are Megan and Nikki. I almost forgot. And Megan and Nikki uh, were both from Alaska, and somehow they had both ended up at the University of Indiana. 
right? Some of our kids want to do that. They just want to get as far away from home as they can for college. Try something new. If I was from Alaska, I would have tried like more like the University of Florida, a little warmer, you know? I mean, in the end, it might be a little bit warmer than Alaska, but probably not much. But anyways, they both ended up in Indiana, and, and Megan had grown up in the church. She was a girl that had been taught the Word of God by her parents, by her Sunday school teachers, by her pastors. But she was at a time in college where she was sort of, she was involved in a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, or, or crew, but, but she was sort of like wandering a little bit in her faith and not really certain of it. But she took this trip, and it, it got to be the summer, and they were going to drive together home to Alaska. And Nikki was a girl who wasn't really a close friend, but they were both from Alaska, so it seemed like, hey, let's, let's share this trip together. It's going to be a long journey. And as, as they started on this trip, um, Nikki began to talk to Megan and say, um, hey, what, what were you involved in in Indiana? And she's like, well, I was part of this club called Crew, and... And, you know, it was, it was kind of fun. There was, there was some cute guys in it, so that's what I liked about it. And they started talking a little bit about it. And um, she's like, well, what is crew about? Well, it's a Christian club. And so Nikki began asking Megan all kinds of questions about God, about the Bible, about faith. And what happened on that long journey home is, is as Megan was sitting there, she began to, without even realizing it, recall the words of Scripture. And as she was answering Nikki's questions, two things happened. Megan recalling scripture reinforced her faith in her own mind and heart. In a fresh way, in a new way, in a way that she says she had never had before in all of her life. And the second thing that happened is Nikki became a follower of Christ through Megan's answers. Through Megan recalling the scripture. And see, that's what Paul is saying with Timothy, and that's the message for us today, is that as we get to know this book, as we learn it, as we study it, what happens is it begins to come out of us in all sorts of ways. That as we go through life, it becomes incredibly useful. We learn it, and people ask us questions, and all of a sudden, scriptures are called to our mind, and we're able to share it with others. Paul also says this. He says, Scripture helps us to be prepared and equipped for whatever happens on our trip. Now this is the point in the sermon where if we had time, we would pause and watch the movie Vacation. We don't have time for that, nor probably is it church appropriate. But how many of you have had a trip that didn't quite go right? Right? That happens on trips, right? We get everything planned and we think, you know, this is the way this trip's going to go and maybe we're even prepared, but inevitably something happens. In fact, those of you that went with me to Israel last year, we experienced that, right? I mean, it worked out, but we get down there, we're ready for our trip, our journey to Israel, we're all excited, and what happened? You don't remember. Okay. Our flight was canceled. Our flight was canceled, and at first they told us, well, you're going you're gonna to have to figure out how to get back home. Eventually, we, it worked out. We got put up in, uh, in the Fountain Blue for the night. We got food vouchers. 
We got put up in a hotel in Switzerland. We got a free vacation to Switzerland, right? It worked out pretty well for us. But the trip started off on the wrong foot, and that happens sometimes on our journeys. Not just on a summer trip, but on a trip that we call life, right? Unexpected things happen. Life happens. And Scripture helps us to be prepared for all those events. Here's some people that uh, struggled with some travel. Here's a lady. This is her tweet. I made it to Amsterdam, and then I realized Amsterdam isn't a country. And we don't know where we are and what language they speak. Ah, crap. But the hotel is awesome, and the city is beautiful. But are we in Germany, Holland, the Netherlands, or France? Help, I've never even heard of the Netherlands. Well, that's where you are. Technically, you're in Holland also, because Holland is in one of the two provinces of the Netherlands. Or, excuse me, Amsterdam is in one of the two provinces of the Netherlands that are considered Holland. But, yeah, sometimes we travel and we don't exactly know where we are. Or, maybe you've seen this. No need to worry, we still have enough duct tape. I would probably get off that plane. I don't know, duct tape is great, but I don't want it on my plane. Or look closely at this picture. Here this lady is uh, posing for a picture with two uh, local children, one of whom is helping herself to her watch. The other is perilously near her purse as well, so who knows what's going to happen. Or how many, how many fans of the TV show Lost do we have? Right? All right, so how would you like it if you got on a plane and you were sitting next to this guy? Hurley. Right? If you, don't, if you never watched Lost, uh, the, whole, the whole TV show is about how this group of people was on a plane and it crashed. And then Hurley ends up on another plane that crashes. Right? So if you were next to Hurley, you'd be like this guy. I have a bad feeling about this flight. Or maybe this lady. Why are the drinking fountains in Europe so low? Gentlemen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to kiss her afterwards. Yeah. And so sometimes when we travel... Right? We can have unexpected things happen as we go through the journey of life. Unexpected things happen. And that's why we have the Word of God. Right? Paul says this. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means ready in whatever circumstances that might happen. In life. It's like being a Boy Scout, right? The motto is always be prepared, or it's that's not the motto, right? But it's it's part of the the whole thing. You gotta always be prepared. I know that much. And that's what the word of God is for. You know, there's a a bumper sticker and a t-shirt, a Christian one, it says, When all else fails, read the instructions, and there's a picture of the Bible. That's absolutely wrong. That's not the way it should be. It's We read this book, we study it, we know it, and so when things do go wrong in life, because they're going to, we're ready. We're thoroughly equipped. 
I remember um, a youth pastor of mine, I was, I was really getting into the mode where I really wanted to study this and, and, and learn this book and, and be uh, thoroughly equipped. And so I, I got into this mode of really just kind of digging into passages, and I got frustrated how long it would take me to really study a passage of Scripture and really know it well. And so he started off by giving me a seminary word that I had not yet learned. He said, well, Scripture is perspicuitous. Can anyone spell that? If so, you could tie for winning the spelling bee with eight other people, right? But perspicuitous means it's, it, it can be understood. And, and so he started out with that, and I said, yeah, I, I get it. I can understand it, but I really want to dig in and know it. And he's like, listen, let me challenge you to do something totally different. He said, let me challenge you to not worry so much about one passage of Scripture and really knowing it, but let me challenge you to what's called intensive reading. And intensive reading did not sound like fun, right? It sounded like a college class that they made you take or something. But he described it to me and he said, just pick a section of the Bible and just read as much of it as fast of it as you can. And you're not going to get all of it, but what you're going to find is that Scripture just gets inside of you. And he's like, so read through the Gospels or read through a, a, a book like Romans or whatever and just keep reading it over and over and over again. And so I did that with the Gospels. And I, and I started reading through the Gospels. And what I found was that maybe I wasn't picking up on the depths or the little, the little nuances of Scripture, but I was being bathed in it. And what happens is as life began to happen, as things would happen, I would recall Scripture. It would pop into my brain. I was finding that I was becoming equipped for all aspects of life. As things happen, I would remember things. As people would ask me questions, I would be able to pull up Scripture like that. And what Paul is telling Timothy is like, this book, it gives you life. It prepares you. It equips you. So what I say often in sermons is it doesn't necessarily, the most important thing when you hear a sermon isn't what you learn or what you hear or what you remember. The most important thing in any given sermon is what happens when you leave. When you walk through these doors, is there a difference? And so I want to issue a challenge, a summer scripture challenge for us this morning. I want to challenge all of us to do at least one of these three things. The first would be what I just described, intensive reading. Pick out a book of the Bible. Maybe pick out a section of Scripture and just read through it over and over again this summer. And see what God does as he teaches that to you in a fresh way, in a powerful way. Or maybe you have a favorite passage of Scripture and you really want to know it. Maybe it's the Sermon on the Mount or maybe it's... um, even smaller, just the Beatitudes, or maybe it's uh, the high priestly prayer in John 17, or maybe it's the vine and the branches in John 15, or I don't know what it might be, but you have a favorite passage of Scripture. Study that. Learn as much as you can. Ask Siri. (laughs) Dig in. I actually have a resource. If you want to do that, I have a resource for some of you guys that you can get as you leave about how to really study a passage of Scripture. Or the third one is memorize scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I will hide 
your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David knew the importance of this book, and he said, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to know it. I'm going to have it in my heart so that when life happens, it will come out of me. So this morning, pick one of those. I challenge you all, take the summer scripture challenge. Pick one of those three things. Tell someone about it. And hold each other accountable to that. We have to make sure that we're fueled for the journey of life. We don't want to run out of gas. Please join us this morning.